Hello, Open Arms. It's so great to be with you. This is such an exciting Sunday. Not only is it our third week in Newbridge County, Kildare, it is our first week in South Dublin. And for the very first time ever, all three locations, Newbridge Kildare, Leprechaun in Dublin, and online are all on at the same time. Come on, will you join me and give God some praise right now? If you're in Newbridge watching, or in Dublin, or online, let's just praise God. God for what he's doing through the local church in Ireland. And for any of you who are watching or listening back because it's such a sunny bank holiday weekend and you're off enjoying yourself, we'll be praying for forgiveness for you. Of course, I'm joking, but uh, we know we'll see you in church next Sunday. But uh, I'm really excited today to, to preach this word to you. I want to speak from the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, of course, the joke is he is the shortest man in the Bible because he is Nehemiah. Anyway, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11. If you want to join me there in your Bibles, open that up. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11. Of course, it is in the Old Testament near the front of our Bible. And we see that this story in chapter 1, it it opens really with the story of, of a nation that has become enslaved, living in Babylon, and then the nation of Israel it is. And this nation is now in ruins, and the city of Jerusalem, in fact, that was a great nation and a, a great city, is now broken down. We read in verse 11, Nehemiah's perspective, him being the orator here, he says, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem which had been broken down and its gates which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through, so I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or the officials or any others who would be doing the work. We see here that Nehemiah is inspecting and examining the runes that are before him. And as he's going and as he's examining, he's imagining what needs to be done. He's imagining the vision and the picture that God had placed in his heart. Now he's going to be able to see this come to fruition in front of them. And then he gathers everyone together in verse 17. He says, then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me, and they replied, Let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Today I want to speak to you on the title, Imagine If. Imagine If. What is your imagine if? What would you place after there? What is God calling you to imagine, to form a picture of, to, to be able to envision, to see what he wants to do through you and in you? We see as Nehemiah here, he's, he's walking around the ruins. He's imagining of a city that will be rebuilt. 
He's imagining a city that will be restarted, that it may have a history and a past of shame that's bringing disgrace, but he sees a new city, new walls, a new foundation ahead of him. He's able to imagine. I want to ask you today, what is God calling you to imagine, to dream, to envision, to picture, to visualize and envision for your life today? And Lord, I just pray for every single person who's hearing my words right now. Lord, I pray that a faith and a confidence would rise up within us all, that we would have the faith to dream, to imagine, and to see beyond where we are and what we're facing, and to be able to step into where you're calling us to. In Jesus' name, amen. I know many people may not be familiar with Nehemiah and the character of Nehemiah, but, but he was a, a Jewish man who was living in Babylon. Actually, in time, Babylon had been, had been taken over by Persia, and he was he was not there, of course, of his own accord, but his ancestors had been enslaved by the Babylonians and had been taken from the nation of Israel, the land of Judah, and they'd been taken to Babylon to be enslaved. And what we see is preceded this actual story in which we've just read is that the Jewish exile were slowly being allowed to return to their land of Judah and the city of Jerusalem. In fact, over the 90 years previous to this story, they had been slowly returning, but we see that they are living in a city that is lying in ruins. They are living in trouble and disgrace. Now, Nehemiah, he had become quite successful. He had become the cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. He had now become in a prominent position to the most powerful man in the world who was the king of Persia. In chapter 1, it opens in this story where Nehemiah is hearing from his brother Hanani, who has just returned from Jerusalem, and he shares with Nehemiah the condition of the city. He shares with them the state of the city in which they originated from, and he shares with them how the walls have been broken down, the gates have been burned, and the people are in trouble. This was an, an awful thing. This was a thing that, that was greatly uh, troubling the people, but they hadn't done anything about it. In the 19 years, 90 years from the moment they were there until this moment, they had saw the problem, but they didn't do anything about it. And when Nehemiah heard this, it said that his heart was grieved. He mourned. His heart was broken for his broken city. And it says that he, he prayed and fasted to God. He sought the Lord and said that slowly that God began to form a picture in Nehemiah's heart of what he was calling him to. He placed within him a desire, a passion to rebuild a broken city, a broken walls, and a broken people. You see, this problem that Nehemiah was hearing about on behalf of his people for him, it became much more than a problem. It became a burden. It, it became what some might call a passion or a desire or a purpose. But for him, it was a weight. It was a weight that he couldn't just shrug off. It was a weight that he couldn't just leave behind and forget about. But it was a weight that he carried. And he knew that someone had to do something about this. Someone has to go back and do something about this problem. So as he prays and as he fasts and God begins to form the picture within him. He, he goes to King Artaxerxes and he asks his, for his permission to return to the land of Judah to rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And the king, 
doesn't only give him permission, but he sends with him provision to be able to rebuild the broken walls. And we see in verse 12, after Nehemiah arriving in Jerusalem for the very first time, the land in which he had heard about but never been. And as he's there, after a few days, he, he grabs a few people with him at night, you know, not, not making a big scene, and he goes and he examines and inspects the problem at hand. He goes to see what's, what's not just needed, but he can picture what could be. He, he's not just going there to to rebuild something old and make it look good, but he's going to imagine something new. And it says something really interesting in verse 12 and 13. It says that he keeps what God had put in his heart to himself. What an interesting thing, that he keeps what God had put in his heart to himself. I believe that the, the reason he did this is that, so that no one could cut the picture down within him before he could imagine it in his mind's eye. You see, so often when we share the picture, especially at the beginning stages, our vision of our life, what we feel called to, oftentimes when we share our picture, people will just remind us of the problem at hand. Oftentimes when I've shared some a picture that I'm passionate about, shared a vision that God's placed in my heart, and I share it before I've really kind of, you know, being able to, to walk in it and live in it and be able to see it, you know, come to fruition, often people have reminded me of what the problem is and not got behind me and what the picture could be. I believe that it's so important for each of us that the picture that God has placed on our heart to be focused on the picture, be focused on the vision, to be focused on imagine if and not be focused on the problem. For the problem that God has called us to see has done it for a reason so that we can see the picture of the solution to the problem that he's placed on our hearts. We see that those who are living in the city of Jerusalem, they could see the problem, but God had sent Nehemiah to see the picture, to see the solution. As he examined the walls and the rubble and the ruins, he could imagine a city rebuilt. He could imagine a people rebuilt. He could imagine not just the disgrace and the discouragement that they were facing. He could imagine the courage and the confidence that would come out of this great city once again. He, re he envisioned and was able to imagine not just rebuilding a broken city, but rebuilding a broken people. Rebuilding broken lives and hearts. Rebuilding broken men, women, and children to live as a great nation, as a great people. And so as he's finished examining, he finally brings this picture that now he can see in his mind's eye. He brings this vision. He brings this, imagine if. In verse 17, it says that he gathers all of the people together, the nobles, the officials, the priests, and all the potential workers and he says these words as he begins off in his speech. He says, you see the trouble we are in. Notice he doesn't say, do you see the trouble we're in? He says, you see the trouble we're in. It's not a question. It's a statement of fact. You see the trouble that we're in. You see the problem that we're facing. You see the ruins that surrounds us. You see, what they could see had become familiar. It is the way it is. This is the way it always has been. In fact, 
It was a problem that had become so large, so great, so difficult, that it was easier to ignore it than to do anything about it. It was so great, they had forgotten the great God in which they served. You see, the people, they could see the problem that Nehemiah could see, but God was, had given Nehemiah the ability to see the picture, to see the solution. You see, God had given him fresh eyes to see. God had given him a faith and imagination of what could be, of what could be possible. He did not just see the limitations at hand. He saw the possibilities that could be. He didn't just see all the problems that was around them, the way it might not happen. He saw the God that was before them and what could be made possible through him. God had given him eyes not just to see the problem, but to see the picture. I want to ask you today in your own life, what do you see? What do you see around you? What do you see in your surroundings, in your sphere? What do you see in your heart that God's placed on you? What, what do you see in those lives that are around you that you touch on a daily basis? What do you see? What problem has God brought to your attention recently? What problem that comes to the forefront of your mind that maybe, maybe it's a problem that's so great that you just feel so just small insignificant to be able to do anything about it and it's become easier to ignore rather than to do or be a solution to it maybe maybe something that you know that you should do something about but you feel helpless to do what you might be able to do i want to encourage you today imagine if god has given you the ability to see the problem for a purpose imagine if God has placed this problem on your heart because he's calling you to be a part of the solution. Imagine if that just as God has given you the ability to see the problem, that he has given you the ability to see the picture of how this problem has been solved and can be solved, that he can give you the eyes to see, the eyes to imagine, fresh eyes to bring fresh life and enthusiasm and hope, maybe to a people who are broken, who are burdened and are hopeless, that you can be the part that God wants you to play in the purpose that he's placed on your life. I want to encourage you that he's not only given you eyes to see problems, he's given you eyes to see pictures and visions and solutions. He's given you the imagination to see the possibility even through the impossibility. And he's placed a desire within your heart, just like he did for Nehemiah, that he can use you, just like he did for Nehemiah, that he can use you in where you are and what you have in your hands, what has gone before you and your past and all your baggage. He can use you for a greater purpose that's even beyond you because he's called you. And when he calls you, he equips you and he sends you out as a child of God, as a man and a woman of God to be able to carry out the calling that he's placed on your life. You know, my wife, Jillian, she sees differently than anyone I know. She just, she sees things in people before they've even shared it. She even sees things in people before they're even aware of it. You know, I'll often ask her, I say, what, what do you see? It's not just what do you think, but what are you seeing? What are you seeing going on? What are you seeing in this instance, in this 
this time, and she'll be able to see in others maybe what's going on within them spiritually or emotionally. She can see within them the conflict, the, the turmoil that might be going in within them. She can see even the potential that is within them and is before them. And her greatest gift is not just the, the gift of discernment. In fact, her greatest gift is the gift of mercy and compassion. Where God has not just given her the ability to see, but to be part of the solution, to do something about it. Not just given her the ability to see the problem, but how to play a part in the problem. You know, Jillian, she just has a, a way of being able to see someone for who they are, not for someone who, in which they come across. She's able to see the person beyond maybe the facade of what others may see. She's able to see what others fail to see. You know, it could be many times we'd be driving in the car and she'll see someone in need, maybe across the road like an elderly woman struggling to walk, and she will get out of the car in traffic, run over and help that woman in which everyone else could see, but no one took the opportunity to help. She'll see a homeless man begging in the street when everyone else will walk by and maybe throw a few coins or maybe just ignore altogether, and she'll sit and she'll ask his story and know that she sees him. She'll see someone who, who's close to us, which often, if we were to be honest, the hardest people to help are often those who are closest to us, and she'll use generosity, kindness, or just even affection to express love and compassion and care. I want to ask you, what do you see? Who do you see? What do you believe that God has given you your eyes to see? And are you willing to play a part in the problem that is at hand? Are you willing not just to use your gift to see, but your gift to help? Are, are you willing not just your gift to know, but your gift to be a part of what you know? Not just be able to one who criticizes and is able to, oh, I saw that. I knew that that was going to happen, but you're the one who sees it before it happens and is there to be a part of it. Then not just sees brokenness, but is to be able to be part of mending broken hearts to become whole. It's not just to be able to see poverty and sin and politicians who may be able to everyone else to pull them down, but you are part of the solution that you are to speak into our nation, into our church, into other people's lives, and you're able to speak out the potential that God God has placed in them rather than just putting them down like everyone else around us. What do you see? What I love about this story that God has shown through me is that he's given us the ability to see and that we, each of us in our own lives, he's calling us to not just see problems, to be part of solutions. Maybe for you, maybe You've experienced the history of broken marriages in your, your family over generation, over generation, and God's calling you to be an example for the next generation, to be display intimacy and love for your entire marriage. Maybe, maybe it's a business solution that you see the problem to, and you see the solution to, maybe socially, environmentally, that you know that God is calling you to, be, to start something new, to see this as an opportunity that you can be a part of. Maybe it's a group of young mothers who you're attached to that you see that they're struggling and battling isolation and loneliness. Maybe it's men in your life who are purposeless, who are depressed. 
that you can help. Maybe, maybe it's close friends who you know are struggling with mental health right now. Maybe it's your church who needs people to serve and to get back in and get back involved. Maybe it's your children who are lacking with insecurity and a lack of self-confidence. The question is not only what do you see, but where do you see that you can be a part of the solution? What is your imagination? What is God bringing your attention to right now? Who is he bringing your attention to? Where is the part that God is calling you to play? What is the picture that he's forming in your heart that may seem so great, but maybe it's so great because he's calling you to something greater? After sharing the picture, the vision that God had placed in Nehemiah's heart, to the people, as he shares it, the people become, for the very first time, unified under a common purpose. They've got purpose again. You see, we see that God, he used the problem to restore purpose to his people. A people who are scattered, a people who are exiled, slaves, lost, disgraced, the people who are experiencing such great disunity, disparity, and division within their lives. God used this great problem that was before them to bring unity back into his nation, unity back into his people, and restore the purpose in which he placed in them. Let's read what their response in verse 18. As they hear the passion and the picture that Nehemiah conveys to them, they say, let us start rebuilding. Let us, one another, together, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. The great problem that was before them brought great purpose to their lives. God used this to unify them. God used them to be a part of the solution of the problem. What I love is that Nehemiah, he didn't just go out and try to be some hero and do it on his own. He brought this picture to the people so that they could be a part of it together. And we see in chapter 3 and beyond, we see all the lists of the names of the families, each that rebuild a certain part of the wall or rebuild a certain part of a broken ruin. And they did it together. They did it as one. And they are able to show and display for the next generation that we are not defined or determined by our past, but God has given us a great future. And he has equipped us for now and the present to rebuild that which has been broken, to restore that that which the enemy has robbed of us. And we build within us a new faith and confidence in which we've never had before. You see, Nehemiah, he envisioned the people. He said, imagine if, imagine if we came together as one. Imagine one day this broken city will be reborn. This broken nation will be rebuilt. One day we will no longer live in disgrace, but we will live in faith. We will no longer live in fear, but we would live confidently, boldly as a people of God. I want to say to you, imagine if that we open arms, church together, unified as one people, not a people who could just see the problem, but are a part of the solution. Imagine if God is calling us for the purpose of rebuilding the kingdom of God here in Ireland. 
Imagine that our nation, which has been broken and desolate and lost, can be a nation restored under Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Imagine a people who look at the church, the institution of church, and they experience fear. They experience loss. Can now see a new church rebuilt, a new church with a passion and with a purpose to bring the love of Jesus to every single man, woman, and child. And they will no longer look at the church with fear, but they look at the church with Jesus and see Jesus and have faith in Jesus and have hope in Jesus through the local church. Imagine one day, Ireland will not be known as the fastest growing secularization country in the world, but the fastest growing Christianity in the world. Imagine one day that Ireland is known for a land of spiritual revival where people all over the world are hearing the great things that God is doing through the people. A people who are not focused on just the problem, but are focused on God who is greater than any problem we face. Imagine a people who no longer turn to other things but turn to Jesus. Imagine a people who are able to raise up our children knowing Jesus, loving Jesus, and being able to show others how to follow Jesus. Can you imagine what God can do through you and what God can do through us together? What is your imagination? Hey, let me just pray for us. Would you just close your eyes, bow your heads and where you are right now. And Lord, I pray for every single person that we would imagine once again. That we would not be so fixated on the problems in our lives that it causes us to stagnate. It causes us to stumble through life. But you, will you give us fresh eyes to see the solution that you've placed in our heart. Will you give us a new picture, an imagination, a picture formed within us that is a picture given to us by God himself? What I pray is you're calling us to be a people united together as one under Jesus, that you would restore our confidence, that you would rebuild that which was broken, and that you would restore within us any faith that may have been lost, especially over this last season. And you restore a love for Jesus and a love for his church. I just want to take this opportunity to invite you to give your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never made that decision. Maybe you've never made this decision just to Stop trying it on your own. Trying to do it by yourself and just surrender to him and say, Lord, I need you. I invite you into my life. Would you heal my life? Heal the broken areas of my life so that I may be made whole to show others who are broken the way of Jesus. Hey, if you just pray this very simple prayer with me and just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm sorry for the sin that I've committed. I'm asking for your forgiveness. Heal me and help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you to, if you made that decision, maybe for the first time, or maybe this is your first time at Open Arms Online, or maybe you just this is a church that you want to be a part of, we'd love to connect with you, and we'd love you to go to openarms.ie forward slash connect, and there you'll see a very simple form in which you can just fill out your details, and we'll connect with you this week and send you a text or an email and just be able to invite you to take the next step in our church and to help you in any way we can. I just want to pray for you as we finish with one more song. I pray, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you.
and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.